you guys want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Daniel 6, um, that's where we'll spend most of our time this morning. <clears throat> I haven't decided if I'm going to go past Daniel 6 yet. <laughs> when I was in Zimbabwe, I didn't do that. <clears throat> but who knows, maybe it would be a good challenge for me. Um, but we're in, we're in chapter 6, we've gone through the first six chapters of Daniel, and um, this is very late in, in his life at this point, if, if Daniel 6 is close to Daniel 7, and if everything is chronological. Um, and by looking at the kings who have been in power, you know, again, it suggests that he's, he's not the young man he was when he first, first arrived. Um, he's changed a lot. Uh, and it's interesting to see that his character has not changed at all. Uh, he's really the same character. Um, you know, sometimes I think we're tempted to think of great displays of faith as events. Um, like Peter walking on the water. And, I mean, it's valid, right? I mean, there are great displays of faith that are events. Um, but I think there's a lot, actually many more examples of great displays of faith that are more like lives of faithfulness. Uh, that it's not just in this instant this person had faith and something great was accomplished, but rather that this person has lived a life of faithfulness. And when the time comes for that faith to be tested, then we see the event, if you want to think of it that way. And I think this, this uh, account in Daniel 6 is exactly one of those cases. And we talk about Daniel in the lion's den. And we talk about the faith of Daniel and how great his faith was. Well, I mean, when I was growing up, I just thought of the, the faith of Daniel as when Daniel was thrown in. That's when he had faith. All right, here we go. Time to have faith. You know, I've never been thrown before lions before. Uh, so I really never had to have faith before. So now it's time to have faith. Well, I think what we're going to see in this chapter is that's, that's not what faith is. That's not a life of faithfulness. Um, now, that's not to say that when we're in dire straits that we don't call out to God. Well, of course we do. Um, but we need to prepare now while things are calm. While we're not facing lions and we're not facing death, to have and develop faith in God and what that means. Uh, it's much easier to have and demonstrate faith when we're not under attack than it is in the heat of battle. So anyway, let's let's you know let's look at this example um, in Daniel six, and I'll just read for now uh, the first nine verses. It'll overlap some of what what James read for us earlier. Daniel six, beginning in verse one. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. They could find no ground for complaint or any fault, because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. 
Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king, Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors, the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. I would suggest to you that the first, or a characteristic, the first one we'll talk about, um, a characteristic of a faithful life um, is that your enemies have to trap you. They have to work really hard to make you look unfaithful. In fact, even in verse 4, the word used to describe Daniel in respect to the kingdom, not even in respect to God's word, was that they couldn't find anything he had done wrong against the king or the kingdom because he was faithful. That doesn't mean Daniel is a sinless man. But I think what it indicates is the type of character he has is when he sees a gap between where he should be and where he is, he does something about it. He doesn't continue to live in a state of error, even in regard to the kingdom, the king he was serving. I mean, if yeah, we make mistakes, right? If, you know, let's say I do something that's wrong, and it was an accident, or I didn't know, I didn't have full knowledge, but I still did something wrong, or I've entered a state, a, a time in my life where I'm doing something wrong, and I discover it, and I change it, well then what can my enemies do except point at me and say, oh, he corrected it? Do you see what I'm saying? So, for Daniel, the first characteristic we, we see here is that for a faithful life, right, to exist, for us to have what's termed a faithful life, is that we remove errors. And not and I, and I don't just mean in the sense of putting off the old man, which we gotta do. You know, if there's something I'm holding on to, and James mentioned this in class this morning, if there's something I'm holding on to for my old life that I know is not pleasing to God, I have to get rid of that. But as we push things off, we have resources available now that we need to employ. And we've got to add things. There are things we need to be doing. And when I examine myself and I either see something that needs to be put off, I put it off. Or I see something that needs to be added, I add it. That's what Daniel did in his faithful life, is they, they couldn't find an error. Now these, these are not, these enemies of Daniel, I, I'm terming them enemies, right? I mean, they, they've positioned themselves as enemies. Daniel didn't force them to be enemies. But these enemies of Daniel are not stupid people. The king is wise enough to see in Daniel that he wants Daniel over the whole kingdom. So the king is wise enough to put smart men in positions for his kingdom. And they couldn't find something wrong with Daniel. So Daniel's own intellect right, was used to examine his own life and make sure he was in step living a faithful life. Too easy it's or too often it's easy for
for me to use my intellect or my knowledge or my wisdom and start diagnosing other people. Here's your problem. Here's your problem. Here's your problem. I can fix this for you if you'll just listen to me. Right? And we, and we have a parable of someone who tried to do that with a log in his eye. And it's a really short parable. You might even not say it's a parable. A metaphor. It's an image. Right? I need to use my... If, if I have wisdom, if I have knowledge, if I have intellect to understand God's Word, I need to look in the mirror and determine, am I living a faithful life? Would my enemies have to work very hard at all to point out an inconsistency in my life? Or would it be just easy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right there. Got it. Even in regard to worldly matters. And especially in regard to spiritual matters. If my enemy, Satan, walked in the door, would he be able to say, right here, this is unfaithful. It was easy. I need to, I need to examine myself, just as Robin mentioned. I think that's what Daniel was doing, and it showed in his life. So let's read the next just two verses. We won't read much next, but we'll just read two verses to see the second characteristic I want to bring out. Daniel 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber toward, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. The second characteristic I want to bring up, and I mentioned it earlier, is consistency. The second characteristic of a faithful life, a life of faith, is consistency. It doesn't mean that I hold on to something I know is bad. But once I know the right thing to do, I do that consistently. Um, you know, Daniel didn't stop serving God just because the laws of the land changed. That's, that's easy to say. Right? I mean, I, you just rolled right off the tongue. You know, but I want to look at a little bit closer at exactly what he was doing. Um... Was this something that was required by the law? I mean the old law. I don't mean the law of, you know, the Babylon, right? I, I want to know, or I want to think about his windows being open toward Jerusalem on his knees praying three times a day. Something required by the law. I have looked and looked and looked, and I cannot find it in the law. The best I've come up with, the best I've come up with is in 1 Kings 8, at the dedication of the temple. Solomon says multiple times, if your people sin and turn their face toward this place and pray, hear them, forgive them. If your people are carried off into captivity in their sin and they turn their face toward this place, hear them. Forgive them. And as far as praying three times a day, the only thing I can find in the Old Testament that Daniel might have known about is Psalm 55. 
And I want to read that because I just, I think it's, well, it's beautiful. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but Psalm 55, um, verse 16. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and He hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. How appropriate is that passage for what Daniel's facing? But he didn't just start praying three times a day when his life was in danger from praying three times a day. I can't find anything in the old law that says get down and pray three times a day, but I can see a beautiful passage like this of someone who needs God and says, I will pray morning and noon and evening, and God will hear me. So perhaps, I have no idea if Daniel knew Psalm 55. I I think he may have. But perhaps he saw this and said, that is a great idea. I'm going to pray three times a day. And the indication from the text is, um, it wasn't just something he had done before. Like, some versions use the phrase, as was his custom. It was a practice. It was a habit. There's other evidence in the text to suggest that other people knew that was his habit. That was the trap that was laid. Why would you pass a law forbidding prayer if you didn't know the guy had prayed? They knew he prayed. They knew his windows were open. They knew, they knew he did it three times a day. They must have known when he came because they came by agreement at the time he was praying. I mean... Daniel has a job. He can't sit down and pray for 16 hours a day, and whenever you pass by his window, he happens to be praying. Right? He's a high official in the government. He has responsibilities to take care of. But there were three times in a day that he prayed, and these men knew it. He was consistent. And the big point I want to bring out here is he wasn't simply consistent with the letter of a law. He was consistent with his custom he had established with his relationship with his God. This is where I fall flat on my face. I want to make sure I'm abiding by the letter of the law. God says have patience. All right, well, I'm going to be patient. But then that's the end of it. (laughs) How patient does that sound? God says I have to have endurance. Well, I'm going to endure until this point. Um, God says don't do this, so I'm going to stop doing that thing. Daniel actually had a relationship. You know, there are things that husbands and wives are commanded not to do against each other and commanded to do for each other. But is that is that the relationship? No, the husband learns about the wife and says, this pleases my wife. God doesn't command me to go do this thing. I'm going to do this because this is good for her. That's what Daniel was doing with his God. 
Yeah, God wants us to pray. I, I think it would be safe to say if Daniel just stopped praying, you could, you could make an argument from Scripture that that's sinful. I'm not going to talk to God anymore. But why did he open the windows? Why leave the windows open so your enemies can see you and trap you and throw you in the lion's den? Because that was his custom before his God. And he wasn't going to allow a secular law that changed to say, well, I'm going to stop opening my windows for you, God. It seems like a crazy thing. We talked about this last week. You know, people who are people of faith, walking before God in faith, look absolutely insane to the world. And I mean, I claim to be a person of faith, and this looks insane to me. He left his windows open. You can pray with your windows closed. There is nothing wrong with that, in the old law or the new. There's nothing wrong with praying with your windows closed. But this was his custom. And the reason I bring this up is, God has preserved this for us to read and learn something from it. There's a reason we're reading about Daniel being thrown to the lions. If he had closed his windows, we would not be reading it. So there's something God wants us to learn from this. He didn't have to preserve it, but he did. I think the thing he wants us to learn from this is he wants a relationship with individual people. He doesn't want automatons. Well, I kept this whole list for you, and I added this whole list for you. Why aren't you happy with that? Now, he doesn't want me to go beyond his law and start binding things on Robin and says, well, Robin, I do this. You've got to start doing this. We have no indication that Daniel did that with anybody. Daniel was praying three times a day with his windows open because that's what Daniel had decided to do. What have I decided to do for my God that he would be pleased with? It's not just keeping a law. Anything? Have I, de- have I decided to do anything for him that's not just a law-keeping item? Something that when the law changes, I'll keep to my own hurt. That is consistency. That's consistency I, I don't have. I'm trying. This is probably the 15th time I've presented this lesson. And it convicts me every single time I do it. I need to get better at this. Now there's a flip side to this consistency. There are some of us, and maybe I should put it this way, there's varying amounts of something inside each one of us that make us sort of um, antagonistic, like confrontationalists. I don't even know if that's a word. Like, yeah, 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 I'll pray when I want to pray. But when a law is passed against prayer, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to pray openly and I'm going to pray every five minutes because I want to show them they're not going to stop me from praying. Or you just wait for them to pass a law that says I can't talk about homosexuality and boy, I'm going to be out there and I'm going to be telling everybody about homosexuality. But right now, when it's legal, I'm not going to sit down at a table with a homosexual and try to explain to them what God's Word is. That's the other side of inconsistency. 
when we just want to wait to be offended and get into some kind of confrontation over what we think our faith is really about when we've never held to it before. That's also not what Daniel's doing. He didn't get out there and pray with his windows open just because he said, okay, well, I usually pray with my windows closed, but I'm going to let them see. They're not stopping me. The text says that was his custom. On his knees was his custom. Praying with his windows open was his custom. Three times a day was his custom. We need to be consistent in calm and consistent in confrontation. And then when these laws come and go and, and, and society changes left and right, up and down, it doesn't really matter to us because we have established a pattern before our God. We've established a relationship and we go to God and say, okay, <laughs> I've been doing this and I've been doing this for you and for me, for our relationship, and now I'm not going to let this change. You know, give me the strength to go through it rather than it being about us. A faithful life has consistency. It avoids those extremes. So, I mean, I think we're familiar with the story. You know, the law can't be changed. That's how the Medes and the Persians did it. Even if the king wanted to change it, the law is the law. It's done. He can't change it. He worked feverishly trying to figure out how to keep, get Daniel out of this. He couldn't get Daniel out of this. Those people came back to him and said, King, obey the law. And he knew he was at risk. He can't break the law or he will lose the kingdom. He'll be a transgressor. Right? So he has to uphold the law. Let's, let's look a little further down Daniel chapter 6, um, beginning in verse 19. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius. 
and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The, thir the, the third characteristic I want to bring out in a life of faithfulness is glorifying God. The first, the first words out of Daniel's mouth were not, I'm still alive, but God has saved me. Do you see that subtle difference? In one, it's about me. And in the other, it's about God. I'm, I become the object. God has acted for, in my, on my behalf, for me. Not, I am alive. God saved me. And how do we know that this isn't just something he just started doing? What, what, what does the king, with his own words, how does he describe Daniel? Now look in verses 16. We didn't read 16. Um, but in 16, the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And in verse 20 that we did read, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you? How does, this, how does this king even know to call him the living God? Where does he get that understanding? I mean, that seems to be something God was trying to teach to the Old Testament continually to these people. Was that he's the living God. He's not some sort of stone that's dead and can't hear. But this king understood that. How did he understand that? Daniel's faithful life meant he glorified God in peace, in prosperity, and in danger, in thankfulness. We need to glorify God in our lives. We need to purposefully think of ways to change our language so that we don't draw attention to ourselves, but we actually deflect attention to God. When we receive praise, do we deflect that to God and say, yeah, God has really blessed me with that ability. God has really blessed me with these opportunities. God has really blessed me with peace in my life. God has really... I don't. Daniel did that. That's a life of faithfulness. Is I'm faithful to God. Not that He's not just that He's faithful to me, I'm faithful to Him. I want people to see Him, to know Him, to share in those same benefits. Um, so the king obviously knew this by his his own words. Um, you know, I had to ask myself the question, how many godless people did I know in my life would say that to me if I was in trouble? My house burned down, or... I mean, you just name whatever, whatever calamity is kind of common these days. Serious calamity, though. How many of my godless associations of people who maybe are, you know, ethical people, upstanding people, 
but just are literally godless. They just don't have any time for God or, or desire. How many of them would refer to me that way? Richard, you're the servant of the living God. How are you handling this? How has he helped you in this? Did he protect you in this? How many people know that that's how I view God? The only God. The one who's actually alive. I mean, I, and again, I'm not... I'm just telling you the questions that I ask myself. So maybe you can ask yourself those same things. How hard do I work to hide my beliefs so that these relationships can be tension-free? I know he's not a Christian, so I'm, I'm not going to bring up, I'm just going to say I'm not available. I'm not going to say that I'm, I'm teaching class. I'm not going to use this as an opportunity to let him know that I'm serving God. I'm actually going to hide that I'm serving God because it'll create some kind of tension. Sometimes I work way too hard at hiding who I'm supposed to be than I ever have worked at letting people know who I serve. It's not about drawing attention to myself. It's letting people know who I serve. He didn't say Daniel favored by God, Daniel the favorite of God. He said Daniel the servant whom you serve continually. Do I let people know that I'm serving God in my life in general? That the reason I'm working is because I'm serving God. That the reason I have a house is because I want to use it to serve God. That the reason I have a vehicle is because I want to use it to serve God. Do, do those things ever even come to my mind, much less come to my conversations. They came to Daniel's conversations, and we know it because of what we see in the king, not even what we see in Daniel. We see it in the king. You know, I mentioned earlier that these, these men who were opposed to Daniel, were his enemies. Um, I think that's a fair characterization. You know, there's no need for us to go out and sort of create enemies with our faith and beat people over the head with the Bible and say, you know, I'm a Christian and you're a bad person and, and here's why. Or, um, you know, I'm better than you uh, because I don't do this thing. Right? That's not the kind of influence I'm talking about here. We don't need to go create enemies. Enemies create themselves when they oppose God. What we need to do is just serve Him and not be ashamed of Him. And look for opportunities to introduce Him to people that we know. It's not about shining ourselves so that we shine. It's about letting His light shine through so people can say, where is that coming from? And you can say, right over there. It's coming from him. He needs people need to be introduced to him. That's their salvation we're talking about. Daniel lived that way. It's part of a faithful life. 
So in conclusion, I don't think these are all the characteristics of a faithful life, but I think these are just three I pulled out of Daniel um, in this account. Um, live blameless, and I think you know what that means. It's not living a perfect life, but it's once you identify the gap, use your intellect, use your knowledge, use your wisdom, use Christians around you to close that gap. Don't be content living in error. Um, Live a consistent life. Develop patterns, either as husband and wife together for God, or in, and maybe individually at the same time. Patterns between you and God. Where you're saying, I'm going to do this for God, because I know this thing pleases Him. Develop that pattern, so that when the test and the trials come, it's easier for you to stay in that pattern and stay consistent with Him. And then glorify God. Look for ways to change your speech, change your tone, change your language, to get someone's attention off of you and onto Him. In little ways or big ways, look for opportunities to introduce Him to people, as Daniel had obviously done. Okay, thanks for your time.